as we're going through our series on the storyline of the, the coming of Christ into the world and how uh, joy is part of the backdrop of that experience. If you were here last week, uh, maybe you remember a history lesson that I gave on the Babylonian conquest of Israel, which sounds like good material for insomnia. But in reality, if you were there in that day with that happening, um, it would have done anything except put you to sleep. Because the fact of the matter is, it was just an indicator that the world that they had enjoyed is now falling apart. And a lot of people were wondering, God, where are you? Will you ever show up again? And God is a person who, in his own deity, has a way of inserting himself into our lives at just the right time. He's really full of surprises. Um, one of the surprises that happened to me just, just this week, I know a lot of people have been jockeying and angling for an opportunity to win a nativity set. And um, my, my intention was... I, I think that's great. I hope the right person gets that nativity set. Um, I'm going to give Logan a little bit of money to help him along because when I went on the mission field, people helped me. And then this thought occurred to me, wouldn't it be bizarre if I won the nativity set? And I just kind of let it go. And then next thing you know, I get a text from Logan Zimmerman saying, ding, 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 ding. Guess what, Leonard? You are the lucky winner of the nativity set. So inside the parlor back there, if you ever want to take a look at it and say, I could have won that, but it was rigged because a pastor got it. Uh, I can assure you, it was not rigged. Um, it was just one of those things that God said, Leonard, I think you need a nativity set. And so however he chooses to use that, I'm going to try to be faithful in that prospect. Complete surprise to me for sure. Another surprise that I think God did for me yesterday uh, was something that is not of my own doing. But I don't know if you ever look up in the sound booth up there, but we have one of two people who generally run sound here. One of them is Rod Christensen. The other one is Josh Lulai. And Josh has been um, dealing with basically walking pneumonia for a while, and, and he ended up having to go to the hospital and get admitted. So I thought yesterday I'll drop in, and as I was getting ready to walk into his room, the curtain was closed, and I heard the doctor talking to Josh and I'm like, I, I shouldn't be listening to this, but I'm curious, so I listened. And uh, basically it was like, well, maybe tomorrow you get out if everything works out the way it needs to. So, you know, I, he got done, I walked in and, and um, just feigned ignorance. And uh, Josh seemed to be in pretty good spirits. And I, we chatted and I prayed with him and then I walked out and I'm thinking, well, hopefully he'll get out tomorrow. Well, about an hour later, I get a text, and Josh said, wow, your prayer really worked well, because right after you left, doctor came in and said, you know what? You're looking really good. I think you can go home. And he said, I, I, I'm just so grateful that, that your prayer did that. And my thought was, it wasn't me. It was just God showing up through a prayer. And it could have been anybody. And that's the thing about God is that whenever we look at the circumstances from the human point of view, it seems like we're doing the math and this is the way it's going to add up. And clearly that's what doctors have to do day in and day out. And in anything that we have in life, we look at what the hand that we're dealt and we say, this works, this works, this doesn't work, this works, this doesn't work. And we kind of put, put it together so that we know what we can and we can't do. If you can ever imagine 
living a life where you started off with big aspirations for just taking on the world. And then you met the girl of your dreams and she ended up saying yes. And then as you were walking down the sidewalk and looking at a place before that even happened, you spotted a house. And the house was old and dilapidated and broken down. But you both kind of hinted to each other. Wouldn't it be awesome if somebody fixed that up someday? And then you realize your dream. And then out of the experience of starting a family in that house, children emerge. And your, your aspirations kind of go down to ground level, but you're still hopeful that things will happen. And in the storyline, you get involved in real estate and you start investing and you think about how you can actually help other people in the prospect of giving them affordable loans so that they can live a decent life like yourself. Now, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but I'm actually referring to a, a popular movie that happens to be played almost every Christmas called A Wonderful Life. Anybody ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? Okay, it's in black and white, I know. But I, I remember watching it in the early 80s before I became a Christian. And as it was describing the life of George Bailey... I thought, wow, this is really an engaging story. But as he invested all of his time and energy and effort into things that he'd hoped for, he happened to have a moment where everything that he had been dealt had been basically systematically taken away from him from just one event. And that was trusting an employee to deposit $8,000 in the bank so that this whole plan could get off the ground. Only to have that employee lose that $8,000 and then as a result of the way that this, this misfortune unfolded, his whole life began to just unravel. Just one thing after another, after another, after another. And if you've ever had that happen to you where you felt like, I don't know what happened, but it was, I was just cruising along and things were going well. And then it was just a succession of bad events that just pushed me down farther and farther and farther to where I felt like it was inescapable. And my friends, if you've never had that happen to you, trust me, those days do come for all of us where we're just scratching our head thinking, how is this ever going to find resolution? From my point of view, as I'm doing the math, I don't see how in the world I can ever reclaim this. And if that's you, then I would say the Christmas story is for you. Now to dramatize this a little bit further, I want to show you a clip from It's a Wonderful Life. If you've seen it, you might know where it's going. If you haven't, just bear with me, and hopefully it's enough to give you a sense of, of why, um, why, why, why I'm, I'm, I'm putting in front of you. Dear Father in heaven, I'm not a praying man, but if you're up there and you can hear me, 
or somebody take you home, huh? Why you drink so much, my friend? Please go home, Mr. Bailey. not how it ends but if you are looking at that and you're saying man Leonard that's dark it's really just an indication of how it is that we process things that happen to us that are not good from just our own point of view in our own state of helplessness and hopelessness we just do the math and we say I, I don't see this ending well and some people do take it all the way to the extreme like that and they, they just say I, I, I can't I can't get out of this. The thing is, the reason why we celebrate Christmas is because God understands that experience all too well. He knows our hopelessness. He knows that we have uh, an incredibly difficult road to travel in this life without his help. And he knows that without him being part of the equation, there's just one ending and it's despair. As a pastor, if I've done... Uh, one funeral, I've done a million of them, and the hardest ones to do are the people who not, do not carry into that gathering a sense of, I know where they're at, because I have hope. And it's just almost the most sober and, and really despairing picture that I, that, I, that I almost have ever seen in my life. When I go into... A funeral, and I, I'm there to offer words of condolence and message of hope to a family that hasn't taken hold of it. They just haven't been woken up to the fact that God has changed everything and that their lives truly matter. And for us, our lives do matter. The things that you do in your life matter more than you realize. And one of the reasons why that spoke to me so much is because it defined what that gentleman's life, George Bailey's life, really meant to the people around them. You see, all the characters that he ran into behaved towards him in a way that was perplexing. They were mean and they were indifferent and they were basically um, uh, trying to discount his humanity completely. And while he's looking at all of this, he's thinking, 
Everything and everyone is against me. And maybe you're feeling the weight of the world. And there just isn't any basis for any joy whatsoever. Well, I hope by the time we get through this, this, uh, this message and even the message series, uh, your perspective will be changed. You see, I, I just gave you one little clip because an intervention happened. A voice from outside of everything came in and said, not so fast. Because believe it or not, there's a larger, there's a larger thing going on here and you have made a huge difference in allowing that to occur. And I think a lot of us, we just kind of look at the world through our own lens and our own experience and say that's all. But not God. God looks at each of us. And he says, everything that you do matters. Especially if you're aligned with my purposes. Paul was even so brazen to say that we know in all things, all things, everything God works together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So now that we lock that away, we put ourselves into the mind of, of this character and we say, well, how can a guy like that find hope? Well, we can't find it with, within ourselves and we can't find it through just doing a bunch of things that are good for other people because someday we'll have a bad day and we try to cash that check and it won't make any difference. In the movie, there's an angel that shows up and the angel begins to clarify his own thinking regarding why his life mattered. And he takes him through uh, an alternate version of his story where had he not shown up on this planet, all of the lives of the people in the community would have been impacted in a negative way. It would have been a more dehumanized state. Everything from the people that he ended up Encouraging, helping, loving on to the institutions, the beginning with the bar and going all the way through to the savings and loan. Every single interaction that he had with that community was affected by his presence. And what God is doing whenever he's looking at us in the Christmas season, he's saying, I want to bring all of your attention to bear upon my son. And then from him, I want the influence of how it is that he's come into your world to begin to influence the lives of the people around you. And so Christmas is not only just about Jesus, but it's about what Jesus can do in our lives because he truly is the game changer. And it's a wonderful life. If there was no larger story going on, then that makes sense. And in your life, if there's no larger story going on, then our despair may be, that, may be the thing that we finally just land on. But when God broke in to the world in a surprising way to a person that was lowly, it, it, just, it, was, it was almost so inconceivable for somebody like Mary, who was just a young virgin getting ready to start a family as she begins it with her husband Joseph discovering that before it even gets off the ground she's going to have a child and as shocking as that was the encouraging words were this is a child that will come from God overshadowing you because everything that you and your people had hoped for for so long 
was not misguided, but rather realized in this moment. It's on. It's beginning. And things are going to change. And so you wonder sometimes when you say, we're waiting for the coming of the Lord, even though we know that he's already arrived here once and gone on. The first time that he came, it was hugely profound because it was God's way of saying, now I'm going to give substance to everything that I promised. And there's Mary. And I don't even know how to, I don't think words can contain that sense of celebration that she had. Uh, let, me just, let me just fast forward the story that you saw just now a little bit to get a sense of where it's going. Show the other clip from It's a Wonderful Life if we can. This is the alternate version. This is when he wakes up to the fact that his life made a difference. You're like, is this guy crazy or is there something that's driving this? And the reality was he was given a view of his life from outside of everything, from outside the system. And it was a view that said from kind of the angel's point of view or God's point of view, this is why you need to continue on. This is why you need to remain faithful to your life, to your relationships, to your community. And I would expand that a little bit further and say uh, to the things that we do as a body of believers representing Christ here on earth. And if you can take all that excitement that he has because he saw it so darkly at one point and then all of a sudden just a little bit of information completely changed his perspective. That's essentially what happens here in these verses in Luke when the angel appears and Mary is celebrating everything that God is going to do in the life that is being formed in her womb. And she knows the Bible well enough to know the story, to know that everything that they had hoped for and expected is now happening and is happening in her body. And this is what she says when she shows up at her cousin's house. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me? That mother of my Lord comes to me. For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb, and, and, that, and that is Elizabeth and John the Baptist, leap for joy. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Now basically what Mary is saying in her own set of circumstances 
is there's kind of a 1% of, of elites that have ruled everything and been heavy-handed on our people. Nebuchadnezzar, Darius the Mede, Caesar Augustus, even our own king, um, uh, Herod the Great. They've all just been oppressive and exploiting us. And for a lot of people, it was just hopeless. And then Mary says, guess what? God has surprised us in ways that words can't begin to express. How this child is going to change everything. Even those who are at the top of the food chain of power will be put in their proper place. It was a celebration. It really was. And for our own lives, I think sometimes we don't celebrate enough the good things that Jesus has done for us. And the blessings that we either enjoy or have been played an instrumental role in helping others to realize. And that is an expression where words can't even begin to describe what is welling up in her heart. Other than she's just like the prophet Samuel when his barren mother, Hannah, couldn't have a child and God said, yeah, under these circumstances you can't. However, because I'm showing up in your world in a certain way for purposes that are larger than yourself, I'm going to give you a son and his name's going to be Samuel. And he's going to be the first of a line of priests who will represent me and speak my word. And who will be an aide to the one who is going to be the first in the line of kings. Well, actually the second, technically, King David. And God is beginning to unfold this thing even farther so that when his son comes, they'll know what a true priest is, they'll know what a true prophet is, they'll know what a true king is, and the best sense of the word will be embodied in one who will reign on a throne above everyone, King of kings and Lord of lords. And Mary knew the story, and it was just welling up inside of her in, 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 in the form of an expression that said, I can't believe that I'm the one, and it's happening. Have you ever heard the expression, no good deed goes unpunished? You ever done something good for somebody, and then all of a sudden... Bad things started happening to you. Don't know if you've ever had that experience or not. I, I've had it a few times. And I sometimes wonder why. I just tried to help you out and this is what I get back. And it makes you almost think, I don't want to do that again for anybody. But then you realize, it must have made a difference. Because some unseen forces are obviously not happy with it. And they're retaliating against me. And so you continue to try to do good for other people. Knowing that there are... There are evil forces that don't like the fact that there is good news to be proclaimed and there's kingdom ground to be gained and there is kingdom representation everywhere we go to happen. And those forces don't like it. And they will work against you, especially in this season where we're showcasing who Jesus is. And it's almost like those forces would say, yeah, let's celebrate Christmas, but let's look over here at that. But let's not celebrate what this son is going to do and how he's going to dethrone all of the powers and principalities of evil at work, including the darkest angel of all, 
who said, I've been given all of this and I'll give it to you, Jesus, 30 years later. Jesus said, no, we're not playing that game anymore. And so Mary brings a child into the world and it is almost like no good deed goes unpunished because what happens next? A representative comes and says, you better get out of town because they're killing all the babies and yours is next. And so they had to flee whenever the kid was just barely uh, in diapers to a land far away, Egypt, and remain there for a few years and then return. And the scripture says that Mary was told that there would be a sense of bitterness about her responsibility because she's living in a world that even though the Messiah has come, that the Christ is here, it's not fully restored and there's going to be opposition happening and you're going you're gonna to be in the middle of it. And we're just warning you. So there are some things that the Bible said that Mary, who's just trying to be a faithful follower of God, had happened to her. One was they went to Jerusalem for a religious observance and they were coming back in their entourage of people and they were doing a head count. And, you know, you, you remember Home Alone whenever the mom discovers that her son isn't with him in the airport? You remember what she said? Kevin? Can you imagine her saying, Jesus? Because we've, we've been gone for a while and he's, I don't know where. So already, gray hairs start popping up. And then he gets... Baptized in the wilderness, he comes back to his hometown. He starts telling people about the things that God's doing through him. And the skeptical audience says, we're not that interested in what you have to say, Jesus. And he pressed a little further. And pretty soon, they're taking up rocks and they're finding ways to push him over the cliff in his hometown. And so his mom is watching this, hoping in anticipation that when the day for his son to reveal himself to everybody regarding God's purposes through his life happens, that people will rejoice like she did. And yet what she finds is that the people in her very town don't want anything to do with it. And maybe you've recently just kind of taken hold of your faith and you're like, this is so awesome. It's so good to have the Lord in my life, to know forgiveness, to know fellowship with God, to kind of see, you know, him flowing through my life and just having a new, a, new, a new spring in my step, so to speak. And then having other people around you saying, why are you doing that? You think you're better than me? And all of a sudden things start to go in a bad direction and you're like, Shouldn't everybody be happy? And Mary's scratching her head saying, I brought my son into the world. And it's been one thing after another. There are people and forces that don't like him being here. To the point where one day she is sitting underneath a cross. And she's looking up. And it's her son. And I know a lot of things were going through her mind. Because the clarity that you have in hindsight is a lot better than the clarity that you have as you're just getting, walking into something. And I know that her heart was broken. I mean, whose heart wouldn't be broken? Whose heart isn't broken whenever we see suffering happen to people that we care deeply for? And then there's his followers. You know, they're like... Jesus, we dedicated 12 years of our lives to you. 
or I mean three years, we 12 dedicated three years of our lives to you and this is what we have to show for it? Wasted. Our lives were wasted. Three years that we could have been earning being gainfully employed for our family and we chose to follow you. And they just started dropping off. Because doing the math, I get it. It makes sense. It's, you know, it sounded good until reality happened. And he made the wrong people mad and they made him pay for it. What it's, it's just the same old, same old. The more things go around, the more they come around. And you just sense the despair and hopelessness. And even some of them thinking, I'm, you know, I just feel like stepping off the cliff myself. And I get it. Because without God in the equation, that would be probably the logical thing to do. Either go back and just write it off as a loss, or... Say, you know what? I've given up hope on anything. And what we don't realize is when things are the most hopeless is perhaps when God is doing his deepest work. If you've ever been through the valley of the shadow of death and you know it, I can't describe it any better than to say you know it when you've been there. The important thing to keep in mind is that that is actually a phrase from the 23rd Psalm. And it is the, it is the, it is the only place where the person who's writing about his experience says, and you are with me talking about God. It's like in the crucible of that darkness, God's saying, I'm doing a good work. You've got to trust me. By everything that you see with your eyes... It's not adding up. And it just seems to be a cascade of failures. But the reality is, I want you to just do one thing. Stay faithful. And so when Jesus is praying in the garden, he's just saying, help him not to fall away. Help him not to lose heart. Help him not to be faithful. Well, Mary got to see all of this unfold. His disciples got to see it. Because they were living between a time when he was born and a time when he would die and be resurrected again. In that in-between time, it was just a mixture, mixture of good and bad at work. And they felt it. But they were expecting that Jesus would come and just make it all right instantly. But even as we await him coming again, he doesn't make it all right instantly. But what I can assure you that he does do is that if we are faithful each step of the way, he's working it together for good in his own way, in the background of your life and mine. He's got a bigger plan and a bigger view and a bigger vision of why he's doing what he's doing. And sometimes we just need somebody to break in and say, help me to get a beat on this because... I'm just ready to jump off the bridge. In the story, It's a Wonderful Life, this angel, and not really a competent one, shows up. He says, I've been tracking with you the whole way. And what you don't see is what's been working in the background of your life. That every person that you've encouraged, every person that you've helped out, every person that you've added value to, every 
community institution that you have invested in. It's not been wasted. It, 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 it was a way of planting seeds and waiting for them to germinate, which they did, and then flower. So there's a young gal who is sort of on the fence as far as what to do with her life and her character in the story, and George Bailey helps her out in a way that is above board and in her best interest. And in the dark alternate story, she becomes a prostitute. In the positive telling of the account, when he comes to the realization that his life's different, her person and character went in a completely positive direction. Now you may be thinking the same thing. Does my life matter? And I can assure you, every one of you, God is not going to waste a minute of your life. The only thing that he's asking for you to do is to stick with him and be faithful. And Mary was faithful to the very end. Now thankfully... Mary had her moment of jubilation on the other side of the empty tomb. And I honestly believe that each of us will have our own moment of jubilation on the other side of the empty tomb. Where we'll look back at the, at the tape of our lives and we'll say, you know, I didn't think that made a difference. Matter of fact, I, I, I really thought that that was of no value whatsoever. But God doesn't waste anything for those who love him and are called according to his purpose and for the larger picture. You know, sometimes I wonder, what would it be like if a, any given person in my life didn't have a place in this world? How their absence would have changed so much and they didn't even realize it. Or think about the church. What would it be like if the church, when the church is faithful to the calling that we have, what would the community be like? I can honestly say, I, I, I don't know all the fruit that God's going to say came out of this place. But I do know this. We, we have a Hispanic community that is, that is fairly assimilated. And there's a sense of goodwill. Because of this church and people that serve in the name of Christ. I don't know what God's going to do to our story. But I do know this. The darkness will come, but there is a great light. There is a sense for celebration, but there's also a bullseye on your back. There is a hope that goes beyond the grave, but we have to go through the grave to get there unless he comes before then. And all of these things are not terribly easy. And the only thing that God is saying is, just be faithful. Persevere. And the perseverance that is grounded in your hope, there will be suffering in the middle of it, but it will develop character so that you'll become like the one who saved you. And that character will emerge in a greater hope. Well, I'm just going to... I could go on all day talking about this. I just want to end it with, with, with this kind of driving it home here. As we gather this week and we think about the intensity of the ups and the downs of life, we have to be reminded that God is at work. And that when the day finally comes 
I only know of one place in Scripture, there may be others, where when a person crosses over from this life to the next, God's response, and there, there may be more, but for me it's the one that I focus on the most. There were people who were given responsibilities in this life. And the only expectation was, just be faithful. Just stick with, stick with me, and I'll unfold the plan through you. You won't even know everything that's going on. Chances are, don't even expect to know everything that's going on. Just know that I'm unfolding it through you. And when the day comes where you cross over from this life to life everlasting, these will be the words. Well done. Good and perfect person. Well done. Good and very successful individual. Or well done. Good and faithful servant. I mean, I can't get perfection down well. Maybe not even success well. But the one thing that I think any of us can do is we can stick to Him well just by waking up every day saying, God, I'm with you. And I know that you're with me. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. And in the darkest valleys of all, you are with me. Now, if there's anything that will bring a deep and abiding and lasting joy, it's got to be that. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for giving us different visions of the possibilities of what can happen if we trust you. Whether it's just through an old movie that maybe is past its shelf life, I don't know. Or through just a fresh hearing of a young lady who is carrying the life of your son. And whatever it is you're doing in this room here, in the stories that are represented in the people that you've called here. Lord, I know that if we love you and we honor you with our lives, you won't waste anything. And even if we don't, it seems like you don't waste anything, Lord. But I pray for everyone here that you would just give us a greater sense that you are working in the background of each of our lives. And that our faithfulness matters. Our faithfulness to you, to the relationships that we have in front of us, and to the responsibilities that we have been given. Lord, we are not perfect, and we're thankful that your grace is sufficient where we lack, or where we stumble, where we fall, where we even are willful and rebellious. That you're still there nudging us on into a place where you're making things right again. So I just pray for people here, Lord, that they would have an understanding of the way that you've been working in their lives up till now. And they could experience joy from the realization that their lives make a difference. And then I pray, Father, that you just continue to solidify that sense of expectation that whatever it is you call us in to, to do in the next chapter, that you'll be faithful there and you'll bear more fruit there. Until Jesus comes again. We anticipate his coming Lord. In the meantime. Find us faithful. Find us hopeful. And in the turmoil that's in the world. Give us a peace that passes all understanding. That it would guard our hearts and our minds. In Christ Jesus. And I 
pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.